That was the hardest thing for me to deal with out of anything because it hurt my ego. And it, it hurt my ego. And my ego was, it got in the way at every turn. Because like I said, I, I built up this entire persona of who I thought I was. And then I look in the mirror and then I'm not, I'm not even close to what that man was. Hello, you're listening to the Move Well podcast, a production of HealthWorks Kinesiology. I'm your host, Kevin Wynn, and that clip you just heard was Joseph Hoffman. Really excited about the episode today, and you may be noticing it's not the first Tuesday of the month. It's actually August 18th at the time of this uh, of me recording this. Joseph and I recorded our, our segment a little bit earlier, uh, back, back in April, I think, actually. But um, So we, we talked about only having an episode once a month, but as we've dug into this, we just, we have too much content to share and too many cool stories. So that's what today is. It's just an incredible story. So what we're going to do in the middle of the month is, is have kind of stories from, from people that are, that are out there, they're living this stuff, they're making movement and everyday part of their life, or they have some incredible story. And that's what Joseph has. He has an incredible story, has overcome so many just huge obstacles. And I think you're going to really um, gain a lot out of listening to our conversation. And I think it'll leave you a little bit more motivated. Um, and, and probably whatever you're going through has never, uh, it probably doesn't can compare to what Joseph went through a few years ago. So if he can get through his tragedy um, and, and find the joy in it and find, find a way to use that to motivate others, I think you'll be able to find your challenges uh, can be used in the same way. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Again, if you want to learn more about about us or what we do, you can visit uh, hwkines.com or uh, movewell.com, spelled M-U-U-V, well.com. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And I really, you know, I mean, it really is flattering and I'm, you know, really thankful for this opportunity again and you know and i really um, uh, really appreciate it and you know it's 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 awesome you know to uh be able to share my story in any capacity and any way that i can help people and and you know but and again i've it's been a very interesting uh very interesting road that's for sure right. but uh, that being said, you know, I guess just to jump right in, my name is Joseph Aaron Hoffman. I'm from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, I grew up kind of your, you know, quintessential young athlete. You know, my dad coached the football, little league football teams. And, you know, I played every little sport under the sun. Uh, you know, I had your quintessential childhood, you know, up in, you know, uh, Things really kind of, from there, things changed a little bit. My parents got divorced when I was 14, 15. Uh, things were definitely, definitely some intense times there. But I guess when it comes to relating to now and then what we're talking about, uh, I went to college, became you know on a cheerleading scholarship. I was very fortunate enough to be a part of the 2013 uh, cheerleading team. Uh, were nationals at Moorhead State University and uh, got my degree in exercise science. Well, while I was there, now 
the biggest thing is I got paralyzed. It was about May, May 13th, 2013, May 16th, 2013. So I was headed, I got done my freshman year of college and then I was on my way back home and I'm not on my way, but I got home, spent there for a few days and I was planning on going to work for this cheerleading company to go coach, uh, coach whatever. And then do that, do that, that whole summer. Well, life didn't, life is like, no, nah, it's not what's going to happen. So uh-huh. I was in Clarksville, Tennessee at the time I went to Nashville and then on the way back, my back right tire blew, sent me off the side of the road. And then the car rolled onto itself and went like, they said it went like 30 feet into some woods or whatever. And then they found me and then my, my girlfriend at the time, who's in the car with me, they found us upside down in the, in the car. And I, wow. she walked away and I became paralyzed. I ended up from there. I spent I, three to four. I, I want to pause you for just a second, Joe. Cause I mean, I know um, you, you and I obviously are from the same town and um, I know you were a Bowling Green High alum, which for those listening, Bowling Green High is kind of football, well, really athletic powerhouse in all sports. Um, and, and especially in football. And I know you, you know, you're coming off. Yeah. I know you played football there and, and, you know, and now you're the cheerleader at this university national championship. I mean, so, you know, how, so that moment, you know, all of a sudden it's like, I can't move my legs. I can't, you know, you know, I'm sure that's going through your head. Maybe, maybe I'm paralyzed kind of thing. Once you wake up from all this, um, I mean, identity wise i mean what what was going through your head at that point i mean it had to been insane well it's you know i built up my entire persona on muscle i built my entire persona on being the way i compensated for all my insecurities the way i compensate the way i learned what it meant to be a man everything was built around my physique my athleticism how good I was as a cheerleader, uh, you know, my, the, the skills that I could throw, you know, how uh, my, what I did in high school, all that stuff. And, you know, being that guy that whenever he walks into a room was, oh, wow. Like that's, that's Joe, right. he's, you know, he's a big right. dude. You know? And then, and then right. on top of that, my, the ego and the confidence that I got from being good at what I was at, good at. Uh, well, when I was under that car, man, it was, that was, I didn't really. The uh, only thing I knew is I knew I couldn't feel my legs, and after that, I woke up in the hospital. But nothing, to be honest, nothing really hit me yet really? until because you're it's it's like you're in this dream state of of life where you just kind of expect everything to eventually be okay. And it's like I was in the hospital, getting recovery, whatever, going through that. It kind of, it was what it was. My, and then the nothing really started to truly kind of hit me struggle-wise in the reality of my situation until I finally got back home from the hospital. Uh, because, you know, I dropped, I went from being, you know, standing, I'm 6'1", and, and, you know, I went from being 6'1", 235, 245, you know, with abs, uh, you know, national championship cheerleader or whatever, to, I lost 70 pounds. I looked like a cancer patient wow. and, uh, it, you know, I looked like I've been on chemo, it, you know, it was like mm-hmm. a buck 75, buck 85 and just tiny. And 
all this entire body, this physique that, and this persona that I built up was completely gone. And that, that's when it really hit me the most is when I was looking at myself in the mirror and was like, this is not the person that I ever thought I was, you know, and it's like, right. When you go and go, go to somewhere, you know, I'll be rolling around or whatever. And, you know, when everyone's constantly asking you if they can help or when, you know, you go into, you try to, you open a door for yourself to go into a restaurant and then people don't just open a door for you because we're from the South. It's, no, they open the door for you because they're sprinting halfway across McDonald's because they think you can't open it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, right. Uh, you know, that is what really got me. And that's what really that. And on top of that, I'm so I'm to give more of a, I guess, a frame of reference. Um, it's T7, T8 paraplegic. So pretty much wow. I'm paralyzed from right below or right above the navel down. Okay. And so I've not to get too, uh, I guess, too graphic, but pretty much if you can assume, I can't really control too much what happens below that point. And so right. that was the biggest struggle because not only am I now shackled to this chair, but then I'm also shackled to a body that I, I'm kind of at the toss of a coin, what's going to happen, you know? So right. it's, you have to relearn everything. And, uh, right. That was, and once I got to my mom's house and then be like, oh, I have, I can't do stuff by myself. I have to, my mom has to help me go to the bathroom. That was when it was like, it it really started to get at me and then, right. or realize where I was at. And then, and then once I made the step finally to go to back to school, that was a whole, that was a whole different, different bag of tricks uh, for sure. Um, and I mean, it was because not only do I have to worry now about all the stuff I have to deal with, with my body just to keep me right. Right. You know, on top of my diet, trying to exercise wherever I can, are you still continuing to relearn all this stuff? My body's still healing. You know, I have to like, am I going to go in the bathroom by myself in the middle of class? You know, right. how am right. I going to deal with that? You know, what about girls? What about going to parties? What about just doing all that random stuff? And just that you take for granted. It was, it, right. sh it shattered any sense of, ego that i thought i had it completely kind of threw that under the bus <laughs> right so um and now if, if i if i recall i mean this you said this ha did this happen around christmas time i believe the accident is that correct no it happened the, literally the, i just got done with trying out for my second year of moorhead and okay. it happened not five or six days after that so okay. that would have been may yeah Okay. But you were back at school relatively quick, weren't you? Yeah, After I was, this? man, I just, I love my mother and my stepdad were great, but <laughs> after you get a taste of that freedom of being out of the, out of the house, I just being back in with my mom was driving me insane. You can only watch so much <laughs> stuff on Netflix and play so many video games before you, <laughs> before you go crazy. So, and I'm a bit of a social butterfly. So, I mean, I was isolated in a town where I didn't know anyone, you know, my, and fortunate enough, I made a lot of really good close friends and a lot of people who really showed up, showed up for me when I needed them. So it was, that was a wonderful thing, but it's just not the same as being able to go out just to hang out with people. So right. I healed up as much as I could and I, I made the bone, I will say the bonehead decision to go back to school that November. So I guess I did go back wow. to school that Christmas time, but I mean, it was, okay. 
yeah i mean but i didn't have a car you know i was just <laughs> i was there in a in a barely un barely furnished apartment uh with a and the only thing i had in my name at the time was a like a bean bag, some bedding, some food in the fridge, and an Xbox. That's, that's <laughs> about it. and a TV, I guess. But wow! So I mean, gosh, that must have been such a transit. I, I'm just trying to imagine. You know, all of a sudden you you leave school. You know, this big cheerleader and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden you come back, and it's like, you know, you're this totally different person. I mean. I, can you speak a little bit of that transition? I mean, just as far as trying to acclimate back into, you know, cause school's weird. Like I, I remember when I was in college, like, you know, you leave, you leave for the summer and then, you know, you're gone and then you come back and it's just like, you just pick up right where you left off with everybody, you know, mm -hmm. it's like that three months didn't exist or whatever. Yeah. Um, but when you came back, you know, you want to pick back up, but it's like, you know, I'm, I'm this different person now. And yeah, how, how, did, how was that? The only way I can, the only way I can really, it, it really was, I mean, it's almost, it was almost like, it felt like, I it, I guess to put in a, a, I guess more of a positive metaphor would be like, you know, let's say there's someone who was morbidly obese, right? They're, you know, and then 10 years later, 10 years goes by, they come to the reunion and then they're, they're this jacked or just super fit, healthy, wonderful attitude. You're like, who is this person? But the complete opposite happened, which was you had me who's jacked and, you know, I was, I was a big guy. I was, you know, I was lifting. I was a cheerleader, all this athlete, all this other stuff. And, um, you know, big personality, extremely cocky and arrogant, you know. Uh, and, and then out of nowhere, it's a completely new person. So it's all those relationships. It always felt so stunted. You know, everything felt awkward. Every everybody right. every situation was awkward every it was like the definition of that first time back was just awkward everything and it's right. like i wasn't trying to make things i wasn't trying to make things awkward but everybody they don't they they, they feel bad they pity you that was the hardest thing for me to deal with out of anything because it hurt my ego and right. it, it hurt my ego and my ego was it got in the way at every turn because like I said, I, I built up this entire persona of who I thought I was. And then I look in the mirror and then I'm not, I'm not even close to what that man was. And so right. that was, it was incredibly difficult and emotionally, it, you know, it, 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 it was humbling. It was a very humbling because it's just every, you go from being the one that, you know, like, oh, hey, Joe, can you help me with this or whatever, lift this or do that or whatever to, hey, do you need help or do you need a ride? I mean, like I'm rolling down campus and people are like, oh, hey, do you need a ride back to your apartment or whatever? It's like, right. you know, I go, it, it really, I really felt like a cripple. You know, it was, it was, I was, you know, tiny Tim on crutches except rolling around. You know? So it was right. definitely something that I struggled immensely when I first got back, especially, you know, I, Especially when it came to confidence, just who I was, talking to girls, talking to friends, yeah. you know, like, you know, everything was just, I felt like this, uh, I guess it, it, I really made, it made me feel like a burden because I just didn't know where my place right. was. And yeah, and, and I, I want to ask you too, so, you know, and I struggle with this because, and it sounds like you described, you know, people are wanting to be helpful and they're wanting to, you know, 
you know, show that they care and, and they don't want to be rude. And so, you know, they offer, like you mentioned, you know, across the parking lot to open a door for you and stuff like that. You know, so did, did you see that? I mean, did that offend you or did that, I mean, how, or, or has that changed over time? You know, at first was that something that bothered you? And then now that you've come to, Hey, you know, this person's, you know, they're, they're trying to be respectful. I mean, how does, how do, how do you take that when people are going out of their way to, to do those type of things for you? You know, I, I definitely got hurt. My, uh, my pride got hurt quite a bit, quite often. Uh, you know, when, it, when everything first came down and to, and it, because even those, because you want to do, at least for me, I want to do as much as I could by myself as I could, because that was, it's what I could do for myself to make everything okay in my mind, you know? And, right. You know, now it's still, even to this day, it's still something that I struggle with, but it's, right. it's nowhere near what it was just because I tried to just, it, it's a way you tune the way you think, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I rather someone be willing to hurt my pride to sprint across you know, the parking lot to open the door or ask me awkwardly if they can help me get my wheelchair out the gas station, which is always, that still is kind of a weird one for me because I'm like, well, you know, I drove there. Why do you think I need your help get out? But, oh, well, right. But I digress, but it was, uh, you know, it's something you just got to get over yourself and know when you need to be helped and be able to accept help. And that's, you know, I, I, I like to sh- pump my ego up by showing people I can do things anyway. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's just a bit more efficient to let someone open the door for you. And that's just something you got to do. I mean, but at the same time, uh, you can't expect people to know what you're able to do or what you can and can't do. Because the reality of the situation is, so I granted, I don't know how right the statistic is, right? But Roughly, if 10% of the population is bound by a wheelchair, well, even a smaller percentage of that is actually active. And an even smaller percentage of that is independent, right? So it's like I have to real, I have to really kind of realize or I guess, um, yeah, realize that not many people are going to meet someone like me you know, that is able to get in and out of my car and open doors for myself even faster and more efficiently than probably they can in some circumstances. I mean, it's people just don't know. And so a lot of it is me just having to suck up my pride and to not get offended because a lot of times when we get offended, it's more, more so comes from us than it is from them. So it's, you has got to let it go. Right. Right. So, so we'll, we'll speed back up a little bit. And I, I wanted to pause and just kind of focus on that part of your story. Cause it is such a, a huge part of, you know, you, you might as well, just, you might as well pause me quite often because I have a, I have a bad habit of rambling. So no, it's probably, good. no, it's great. No, 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 it's, no, absolutely great insight. And, and I really want the listeners to know, you know, kind of the background and, and I think it's, it's interesting to hear your side of the story. What, what I think is so incredible is, is the part that, you know, you just kind of speed over and like, oh, I went back to school. You know, most people, they don't just go back to school after that. You know what I mean? Like it just shows it shows a lot about who you are. Um, and even though, you know, you describe feeling broken and feeling like you're a different person and all those things. The fact that 
you know, you're, you're in, a, in an apartment on your own at, gosh, how old are you now? 19, 20 years old at this point, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, that just, it speaks volumes about, about your character and who you are. And um, I just think that's incredible. Um, I, I so, appreciate it. But, yeah. And so from there, you know, you continue obviously with your degree exercise science, which even that, you know, I think a lot of people would say, well, shoot, you know, I want to be this big fitness guy. How am I going to be a personal trainer in a wheelchair? You know, they would probably, most people would have probably changed courses at that time, not because they necessarily wanted to, but they just didn't think they could do it. You know what I mean? And it seems like for you, that wasn't even an option. It was just like, I just keep doing what my dreams and goals are. Um, and so I guess we'll speed up a little bit. Um, and again, it's such an incredible story. I hate to, I hate to pass over stuff, but so maybe maybe a little bit about how you know you you overcame some of those things and what what the turning point was for you um and then when you really you know kind of focus your energy even more on exercise wellness motivating and inspiring others so i guess to to really give more of the listeners an idea of who i am and what and how I've, i'm able to do what i have been able to do so not to get too in depth the, the the unfortunate poor relationship I had with my late father, but growing up before everything went sour, there was a poem that I grew up basically being instilled into my brain, and it's uh, it's called Thinking by Walter Wintel. But there's other there's I'll just my favorite part of it, and what sticks with me to this day, and will define what I was taught growing up was. Think big and you'll find a way. Think small and you'll fall behind. Success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in a state of mind. And it, the idea of being coachable, the idea of attitude and positive attitude and never quitting what you start, those were all staples of what I grew up with. I, I literally did not know any, I don't know any other way. You know, I, even when I feel down on myself or whatever, there. That, that voice usually gets kicked in the face saying, you know, you need to be quiet and sit back in the corner. <laughs> right. You know, it, I just don't know what else to do. You know, it's, it's just who I am. And um, I've been very fortunate in the upbringing that I had and the surroundings and the father figures I did have afterwards because they all continue to instill that in me. And so when, and I understand not everybody has that. And I understand that. I was, I just want people to know that I was very blessed with my surroundings and who gave me the tools that I had. I was very blessed. I just had, I just had to make sure I said that first. Um, but the main, you know, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do uh-huh. <laughs> in college after this happened. <laughs> my whole, I mean, to be honest, before I got paralyzed, I got an exercise science degree because I like to work out. And that's what I knew. Uh, the only other interest I had for college was being a history major. And unfortunately, my bonehead self at the time didn't see the value in it, which now I, which now I'm like, I shoot myself in the foot. I'm like, wow, I could have gotten a double major in history. But right. I ended up, by the end of college, I ended up taking 400 level history classes for fun, but oh well. <laughs> but, uh, but I wanted to be into sports medicine when I first got into college. And then I continued on with that, uh, continued on learning with that. And then I switched gears to kind of more strength conditioning and then, uh, but 
pretty much the, I guess the main driving force that really wanted me to hone down on wellness and everything was when I started to get later in my degree and I really had to figure out what I wanted to do. Right. And I started to, once the strength conditioning was, I'd say was the first step uh, just because of where I love the one thing about strength conditioning. And, you know, I'll also tie this back to cheerleading is I love to teach. Uh, the biggest thing that I loved about cheerleading wasn't necessarily competing, wasn't necessarily learning all the skills, which I love to do and were always a challenge. But right. the I, there's this feeling that I get and then that I love to see when I'm able to teach somebody something and then they're able to use it and then they're able to be better themselves because of it. Right. It's it's a beautiful thing that I just it, it it's it's the biggest gift I feel like I can give somebody is ways that they can help themselves and to be better. And I saw that firsthand when I was able to do an internship in college doing the strength conditioning program. And then I saw that firsthand once I graduated and I got my first job out of college working for a chiropractor doing therapeutic exercise. Right. And that's when we met. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, I really saw what I could do and I really saw how I could take those tools of coaching and cheerleading and then applying them more on the bait, the training scale. And then able during the therapeutic exercise stuff, stuff, teaching people about their bodies, you know, people, not every, you know, I was, that's the one thing as an athlete growing up, you take for granted is that you're, you're taught these basic mechanics of how to jump, of how to explode, of how to, generate force that the average person who's never been in that scenario doesn't know how to do. They have to be taught those. And then if you take somebody who's 30, 40 years old, they've never had to learn those things. Well, it's like, well, of course their body's hurting or their whatever, you know, stage of their health. They just don't know. They don't know what their back muscles feel like or how to contract their abs and whatever. I mean, to an athlete, you think it's a no brainer, but shoot, when I graduated, that was a rude awakening. <laughs> right. Right. But, um, but I'd say definitely after that internship was one of the, like, I guess that was when everything really switched. And then on top of that, when i got that first job, you know, right. cause when I was able to start seeing and teaching the general population and giving them the tools and seeing what that felt like. And then, um, and then once I started personal training, because we did some training, well, we did some sort of some training with the uh, with the chiropractic office, but it still wasn't necessarily at the scale. And then, I'm not trying to really gloss over too much, but at that time period after I graduated, I worked for a so I worked for the Simpson County Jail, and I got into something called mental recognition therapy and then character development. And one of the things that it taught me in working with sex offenders and violent offenders was, you know, you have to be not only have to be on your toes, but you have to live by example. And, you know, you, those guys will snip out BS real quick. And, and one of the things that taught me was no matter, you have to meet people where they're at. And not only that, you have to be patient, I guess, well, that goes with meeting people where they're at, but also, you got to practice what you preach. And once I stopped doing that because of some legislation changes, that's when I really started to get personal training at a local club. And then I just fell in love with it. You know, Uh, I, as much as I liked the therapeutic exercise stuff, it's just, 
I really, really enjoy working with people who I'm able to just actually start on that road of fitness and getting them to where their goals are. Because as much, as much as working with the people who are hurting and getting them hurt, hurt, the sad fact is that a lot of those people don't want to really move past that. So, you know, as someone like me, who is like a coach is in my genes, I want to push people to want to reach those things. I see so much potential in people. And as a personal trainer, I'm able to show people that potential more so than I am or than I was in the therapeutic exercise setting. Right. Well, and, you know, and that's where I think uh, obviously you have a much, much different story than mine, a much different path to get there. Um, You know, I I think in a weird way, definitely not as extreme as you went through, but I kind of suffered, you know, this identity crisis a little bit, you know, just a little bit of my background, you know, baseball was always my focus. That was my identity. I was, you know, collegiate baseball player. I was a minor league baseball player and, and, you know, that, that was my focus. And it's funny, five days ago was my, my anniversary of my release from the San Diego Padres in the minor leagues. And I, I just remember sitting on that picnic table outside the clubhouse in the spring training complex and just crying, like, who am I? You know, like, what am I going to do? I'm on a plane back to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I don't know who I am anymore. So obviously not as an extreme story as yours, but it's still, you know, it was like this, you know, this, this identity crisis. But, um, you know, also with myself is I still, I still have that passion for, coaching and all those things and, and seeing people grow and stuff like that. And, you know, I always thought baseball was that avenue for me. Like I always thought, okay, I'm going to finish playing baseball and then I'm going to be a baseball coach. And I tried that and I did that for a little while and then just wasn't really getting the fulfillment from it. And I realized it wasn't really baseball that I love or that I love. I mean, I still, I still enjoy baseball and all and, and those kinds of things, but what I really am passionate about is seeing people change their lives. You know what I mean? Just like you described is, you know, seeing that person, you know, all of a sudden do, you know, for some people walking five minutes is a milestone, you know, and mm-hmm. then to see them, to see how empowered they are when they do that time. Um, and I, it's just so, it's, it just, it, it just affects everybody around them, you know? And um, mm-hmm. I think it's it, so it just exciting. spreads. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it spreads so much positivity. I mean, it's, it spreads positivity. It's an infectious and, and and you see that smile on their face and then they, that of achievement. And it's just, it feels it. I guess the only way I can really describe it is it, it just fills up your soul, you know, right. in the best way. Well, and, you know, and that's what I think and kind of relating this back to an occupational setting and, or, or um, kind of like in a HR capacity or safety capacity. I, I work with a lot of companies that, you know, they're like, Hey, I want to do this wellness initiative and all these things. But, it seems like the people that are trying to plan these initiatives feel like they have to be this, you know, fitness model or they need to be going doing, you know, they need to be doing ultra marathons or something like that to lead a program. They feel confident. And, you know, it's like, you don't have to do those things. You just have to be actively trying to better yourself. And that could be, you know, walking for five minutes in the parking lot during lunch. I mean, that's your employees are going to see that. And that's going to make a big difference, you know, and, and what we do, we try to, we try to empower employees and we do warm up routines for five minutes and those things, just getting people moving 
and like it, mm-hmm. it's just this tidal wave of positivity and 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 it's just amazing what it can do to to groups of people and i think you know i think i really do think we were born to move and to be active and um when we do those things it's just it's just like this you know well it's, it's a scientific fact you know our our, our mood changes are we're more productive and um and i think like you're talking about is just being able to to empower people to do that and realize that they're you know that there's more in the tank that they have more capacity than they realize is is the, for me one of the biggest blessings or gifts i can share with others oh yeah you know? oh yeah because you know the, the body the body in a way is like an overprotective mom and sometimes you just got to get out of the house and get on your own you know and show and show yourself what you can do because otherwise because i mean and that's like like you said with some people walking for 5 minutes is a milestone and it's like well they do 5 minutes and then the next day they get mm-hmm. 10 minutes and the next day and then bam 2 years later they're doing a marathon so it's like right right it, you know but like you said, that shows you're able by then able to show people what they can do. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing, but it's a scary thing. But that, you know, because you're like, oh, wait, I could there's I have so much potential, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like this door, this big door of possibility then just opens up. Right. You know, and I spent a lot of time, you know, a lot a lot of the stuff we do um, for industry, you know everybody it's always kind of it's powered by return on investment right so if we're going to go to a company um and and if anybody's listening that's an hr safety professional they know exactly what i'm talking about it's like hey i've got this great idea i want to do this thing and it's a lot of this like feel good stuff um but that that ceo or manager or whoever you're answering to they want the return on investment so we spend a lot of time talking about you know and, and there is, there is a big return on your investment for these things. I mean, it's a seven to one ROI. If we implement our programs, we know those things. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, the employees that we're trying to impact, they don't care about return on investment. They, they want, or at least financially, they want return on investment as far as their time. And if you can, if you can mm-hmm. connect with them and, and, and they can see that, Hey, if I do this warm up routine for five minutes at the beginning of my work shift, and I use my, my, my roller and do some fi- myofascial release, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to feel better when I go home. And when I go home and I feel better, well, now, you know, my wife's happier. My kids are happier. I'm more productive at the house. Now, you know, emotionally, I feel better because I'm not sitting on the couch and stressing out about the project that I need to do outside, that my back hurts too much from the end of the day. So it's just like this cascade of events. And, and, uh, you know, it's sad sometimes that we have to talk so much about dollars and cents to, to do that. Um, but that's kind of the driving factor. Um, luckily it does pay for itself, but, but at the same time, I mean, it's just, it's just, I, I never want to lose focus on, on the life stuff that this comes out of this. And, you know, it's to me, you know, this is stuff I would do if I never even made money off of it, because it's to change somebody's life and impact how they, how they're living. It's just, Oh man, it's just awesome. And, you know, and yeah. I think, I think again, just coming back, I think anybody, you, you don't have to be a fitness professional to do that. You just have to be consistent. You know, you just got to do something consistently and, well, and, just and, like, and just enable like others to do it. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I mean, and the key word right there, you said it is consistency. You know, like I, one of the, the things that people look at 
one of the biggest things that I, I hate is, uh, you know, well, I wouldn't say hate is a strong word, but I get frustrated with is people don't, you know, they see some crazy body or they see some transformation and then they're like, oh, well, you know, okay, well, I need to do all this and then it's going to happen. It's like, no, it's just that consistency. Right. You know, it's just step by step, day by day, and then listening to your body and you listen to your body and then move and moving. Right. And then at th that little chip every day, it doesn't, you don't have to jump. You know, you don't have to just dive in and, you know, that's like me as a personal trainer, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm doing that. You're, I'm an irresponsible trainer. If I'm going to go and expect my clientele who let's say has never done a kettlebell swing or a squat or a bent over row or a brick, a pull up. And then, okay, we're going to do this crazy athletic routine. No, we're not. Right. <laughs> we're gonna, right. You know what I mean? Cause then I'm just going to defeat them because they can't do any of it. And it's like, right. well, what's the point? You know, because then I, but no, I give them stuff they can do. We build stuff off them. And then I make sure to build them up because people get down on themselves for not being able to do what they think they should do. And then it's a very sobering experience when they can't do something they thought they could do, but they haven't done it in 10 years, you know, but, right. yeah. but uh, I guess before I get too far away from the point I'm making, which is it's that little bit, like, just like you said, that little bit of step-by-step every day doing what you can and then trying to push yourself a little past what you think you can. And, and then when, and then going from there, you know, right. it's, and like you said, with the wellness initiatives, shoot, you know, as a boss or a manager or a, you know, one of the, one of the things that, uh, that I like about working for Equinox is that, our manager or at least the manager and staff, I don't know. I can't really speak for the other clubs, but at our club at Westlake, they're awesome. I mean, and just like you said, that word consistency, mm -hmm. like they're consistently saying, you know, uh, being positive. They're consistently being like, Hey, how can we reevaluate this? Or how can we make you better? Or, you know, what it's always about that uh, continued active reaching out to us uh, as their staff to try to make us better and to show us what we can achieve. You know what I mean? Right. Because, and then, and it's, but it's that consistency of day by day in and out doing it. You know, if, if there's anything that's hard, it's just that cons being consistent. Right. But if you can be consistent, I mean, the, the door just opens wider and wider, you know? Right. right. And I think, and I think to having somewhat of a plan, you know, because if, if, if you have no end goal or no plan, I think it's harder to stay consistent because you really don't, you know, at some point you're just going to be like, why am I doing this? And so, I, and, I, and I know you're pretty big in, in, in functional movement screens and we utilize those too with clients because I think it's, it's a nice way to find out where they're starting at and then to, mm -hmm. to reassess and, and then they can see progress, you know, and then, and then, then we can come back to that person and say, Hey man, it looks like, you know, we really got limited hip mobility. We need to do some work to make your hips a little bit more mobile. I think this is going to make your back feel better at the end of the day if we can really do these things and then give them something, you know, hey, okay, now we're going to switch up game plans a little bit. Now this is my new plan. You know, I'm going to work on this. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's important too, is, you know, is, is having those plans, but, but, but having assessments in place too along the way just to, just to, you know, check yourself and make sure that you're, you know, just a check in, just a check in to make sure that you're you're going the direction that that you want to go. So, oh yeah, of course. 
Yeah, I think it's awesome stuff. It, it just makes me think the other day, and you, there's a park in Bowling Green, and I know you know it, Joe. It's called Carriacas Park, and uh, obviously, yes, I, I'm, I'm a I'm a big runner and love to run. And uh, there's a part on the back of that trail, if you remember, it kind of dips down, and then you kind of go up the big uphill in the yeah. back. And uh, there was a guy the other day, and, and um, he was running, and 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 you could just kind of tell maybe he wasn't real experienced, or maybe he hadn't run a lot, or whatever. And he's doing good and um, goes down that hill and he's flying down the hill and he starts on that uphill. And I'm, a, I'm like 200 yards behind him. Oh, and you could just see him. I could, just, like, see oh. I could just see it mentally. You know, it was just like he just crumbled and all of a sudden he just stopped. You know, I'm like, and I, I literally out loud, I was like, no, because that guy was so close. You know, he was so close to to reaching this goal and you can just see him mentally fold. But I, I think, you know, that's where having a plan or a goal or an end goal um, to focus on helps because I, I think about those, those workers that sometimes they don't realize how close they are to being fit. You know, they don't realize how close they are to, to, to moving better and being healthy. They just can't see it in the grind, you know? So, mm-hmm. so having that, having that goal, I think really, really makes a big difference. Oh yeah. And, and plus, I mean, and plus you take somebody, it depends on what they're doing. You know, let's say they're a factory worker or a office employee or whatever, you know, it, the, it, they, they have kids and then they have a wife or a husband or then they have, or, you know, they got projects, all this other stuff. So it's everything kind of mounts onto itself. Right. But it's, that, you know, going back again, I just I can't just hammer down enough. But like you said, uh, consistency and then building on what you said, which is having that plan, because it's so easy to let all those other little things or even big things take over. Right. And then take precedence. But it's, it's just like you, you know, just like you said, again, it's I couldn't say it better. You know, once you once you finally make those steps to health, you know, just that not having your back hurt when you get home. Well, then you're able to crawl around on the floor and play with the kids or, you know, maybe you're that, that conversation with your wife could have went better because you're not angry because you're back hurt. You right. You're not, right. you know, it's, and, I, and yeah. And I know, yeah. I know from my, my, my personal experience, um, you know, after I stopped playing baseball and sports, I, I just kind of didn't do a whole lot of anything for like three years. And I've, I was, I gained quite a bit of weight and I wasn't, I, I had low self-esteem because I was still dealing with this identity crisis and stuff like that. And finally, one day I just like, I got to make a change and I got, you know, got active, started moving for me. It was running and, and, and doing more just like outdoorsy kind of activities and connecting with nature and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll never forget like how all of a sudden, like I didn't hate my job. You know what I mean? Like I, I was like, gosh, I actually kind of like this, you know, whereas like a few months before when I wasn't, you know, being active, I, you know, dreaded going to work. I was kind of, you know, just real negative about everything. And it was just insane how it changed everything. And when I started all of a sudden liking my job, well, now I was a better employee. And I started, you know, it was just, it was just like, we, mm-hmm. we, I kind of digress a little bit, but it's just, it's a cascading event. Again, we talk about it. Just, it just, it just affects everything. So it's a domino. Once that domino falls, man, it just, it keeps going. Yeah, and I think, yeah. and I think too, and you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I mean, from your experience, you know, trying to motivate people, um, you know, it's, it's gotta be real purposeful on your end too, right. As a, as a personal trainer or, or coach or whatever, you know, you can't just, you can't just 
put a routine out, you know, write a routine on a, on a dry erase board for somebody to go do or, or email them a workout and think they're really gonna get much out of it. And I think I see this a lot with employee wellness stuff. For example, you know, we, there's some factories I've worked with in the past where, you know, it's like, Hey, we don't really want to do this big program. We just, we need a stretching routine because that's what, you know, our corporate offers office requires. So literally I'm in, tons of factories and there's pictures of me blown up doing the stretching routine i'm just a picture on the wall and <laughs> and that those those places where where that happened um either they're some of them just they're not doing the routine at all anymore um and the others that they're still doing it it's like they might as well not be doing it because you know they're just kind of halfway doing it i actually went to a factory and watched them do their stretching routine they didn't know who i was and they, and, you know, they might as well not, they was five minutes. It was complete waste of time because they weren't stretching, right. They weren't getting anything out of it. So I think the other important piece of this is when you're working with people or trying to change a culture, changing a culture is really hard. And if you just throw, you know, a blanket exercise routine or stretching routine on the wall, pictures of it on the wall, that's not going to impact anybody. Um, no. Now that, might, that may be the best routine in the world, but if you don't connect with them emotionally, you, you know, that routine doesn't matter. But if you can connect with them on an emotional level, and that's what we try to do is, is constantly be sending them reminders and um, exactly. doing things like this, having podcasts where people like yourself talk about their stories and, um, you know, what they've learned and, and obstacles they've overcome and, and showing them that they can do those things in their life. Once you connect with them on that level, all of a sudden the stretching routine becomes impactful. But without without that, the stretching routine is nothing. The the warm up routine is yeah. nothing, or the fitness routine, yeah. or or whatever whatever initiative you're trying to do. And it may look good on paper. You know, you may be able to tell your boss or your your plant manager or or whatever that hey, we're doing this cool initiative. But ultimately, again, it comes back to the ROI. That manager, the person you answer to, is wanting to see that return on investment. And if injuries aren't going down well your wellness thing or whatever initiative you started um if it's not saving the plant money from workman's comp claims and injuries and stuff like that well, yeah. that, and in your two that those extra five minutes that you you know that you're you're you cut out of the day to stretch all of a sudden that five minutes is gone because you could be doing, producing more parts and well this program really doesn't save us any money anyways so i think yeah. it's really important to be purposeful to engage these people um, in ways outside of just putting an, an initiative out or exercise routine or stretching routine, you really have to find ways to impact people emotionally. Um, and it sounds oh, like yeah. that's what you've done in your, in your world as well. Well, I mean, and you know, you have to care about what you're doing and you have to be passionate about it. And, you know, for me, I'm passionate about giving people the tools to help themselves and, it just so happens that fitness is the way that I do it and in fitness and then sharing my story and, you know, but I just, when you show people that genuine care and you're able to break that barrier of skepticism of like, okay, you're just doing this to, you know, so we'll whatever, you know, screw off guy, you know, but it's more of like, I want to see you be better and I want to show you, you can be better. And then, it, and you see beautiful changes in people because I mean, it because I just and so you know and the, the one thing that does suck I will say is that and this is what makes 
it hard is that uh, at least at first I always was, you know, fitness, uh, you know, working out, uh, athletics, being active. It's, it's, it's so, it's literally part of my DNA. I mean, if you took a stamp of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of my DNA, I'm pretty sure activity would be in one. It's just, you know, even if I'm sitting down all day playing video games, like at least two to three hours of that day, I'll be outside or in a gym or doing something. And that was the hardest thing for me to connect to people, to be honest, is because I, you know, how are you going to tell somebody if you do all this stuff, it hurts a little bit now, but then, you know, three months from now, you're going to be feeling a lot better. They're like, what? (laughs) Right. You know, especially if you take someone who's never done anything and they're like, man, wow, that, that really, that really was hard. And then, you know, but, Well, you know, and I've worked with a lot of people too. I mean, we, you know, you just do basic stuff mm-hmm. like, for example, a warm up routine or stretch routine, and they're sore. And for some mm-hmm. people, they've never been sore in their life. They don't even know what soreness is, and they freak yeah, out. They think know, it's like, a. Oh, they hurting. think it's a. Yeah, they think it's a crazy thing. They're like, "Oh my god!" Like one of my clients freaked me out. A uh, wonderful woman, but she, the way she describes stuff, sometimes through text messages, makes me think she's dying. So, <laughs> but. <laughs> Our, we got our first workout done and she starts telling me how her arms are swollen and all this other stuff. I'm like, what, what? <laughs> Cause you know, you as a fit, you, you know, you, when someone says swollen, there's an, there's a, something in my mind and your mind that like, is like, that's right. not good. <laughs> but then, right. But in reality, it was just the pump, right. Of the blood entering right. the muscle at, and her, she was feeling a little tightness and a little stiff and, but she said the day after that, she felt great. But it's like she didn't know how to deal with those feelings and how to deal with those sensations. But, you know, going back to what you said, you have to, I think another thing with consistency is that verbal, um, after, uh, re, what's the word what I'm going to use? Or not re engineering, but. I guess the verbal just continuous or like the flyers and everything. And then just being diligent about being like, Hey, this is a positive thing. You know, you, this is what you can accomplish when you do this, this is what's doing right. that. And then hopefully right. you can kind of slowly but surely break away that barrier of skepticism. Right. But it's, it's think, a long time. It takes time. Yeah. Especially if you're dealing with factories, you're dealing with people who, you know, they're on their feet all day. They're, you know, they're exhausted and you're telling them that the stretch routine's going to, it's going to help or this foam is going to help, you know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if someone scoff at you and then they, it's like, Oh, well, you know, whatever. But, but then when you see people actually make a difference and make a change and it opens people's eyes, but you have to have that consistency to even get there. Right. Well, and that's what, you know, I, we, we tell people, it's like, you know, if you impact one high risk person and, and mm-hmm. we're in the, the South here and, and most, most a lot of, high of risk. our, most of our people are high risk. Unfortunately, you know, we're, we're, we're top five in pretty much every bad health category you can be in. So, but I mean, if you can impact just a couple people, I mean, if you avoid one back injury, um, you know, that's, that's a hundred thousand dollars right there. You say, do you know, when you talk about ROI, but, um, but in typically 5% of your workforce is going to force is going to be 50% of your healthcare cost. you know? So, so we want to, we want to impact everybody and we want this big, participation but if we can if we can impact five percent of your population especially the people that that weren't active and we get them active 
you're going to see huge changes. I mean, and that's why these programs are so effective, you know, if you do it the right way. Well, you know, I guess uh, to hark on where a lot of these things come from, I mean, the Japanese have been doing this stuff forever. And you can, you see the productivity, the, I mean, it's just, it's almost a meme at this point when you see a bunch of uh, hard hat workers doing some uh, warm up routine on a roof, you know, it's like, you can, you I remember watching uh, I remember watching Jackie Chan movies and uh, as a kid and there'd be scenes when he'll be running doing some action sequence and then running through an exercise routine with some workers on a construction site. I was and I right. just remember as a kid I was like, what is going on? <laughs> but but they've been that's what they've been doing. But it's no you know it's a no brainer because they're so productive in whatever they do and right. a lot of it. And that's no wonder why these programs are coming to America and we're seeing. And the companies that are instituting them effectively are doing so well. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joe, I appreciate it, man. This has been awesome. Um, I guess you know, just to close this out. Well, first, I just, I, I just, again, I remember the first time I met you. And I'll just kind of talk to the listeners a little bit. It, is is and Joe is a very humble person. You're a very humble person, Joe. But um, you know, you still you have such a electric personality and i remember we met we met in a coffee shop about a year ago and and talked for gosh probably an hour or two um but i remember coming home my wife was like man this guy is like he's you know i I just couldn't stop talking about you because i was just so impacted and i think you really have you know you have a positive impact on everybody that you're around and that's why i just love that's what i love so much about you is that um you know you you just overcome obstacles and you're just, you just, you know, you just ooze um, leadership and um, charisma. And I think, I think you're going to go a long way with all this stuff. And, and uh, I'm just going to enjoy kind of sitting back and watching you grow as a trainer and stuff like that. Um, but just kind of close out um, maybe just, maybe just um, just speak to maybe just something that you're thankful for or, or um, you know, um, just, just in on like kind of a word of gratitude, I guess, just to close this out. Um, what's kind of something during this crazy time that, that you're, you're grateful for and that, that you're thankful for. Well, you know, I, first off again, man, I, I really am humbled and it's just opportunities that I've been given when I got to talk to you, uh, the opportunities I've been I've been given, like there's just so many opportunities and people have really put their neck out for me. And I just can't say enough that I wouldn't be where I am without all of those people that were that, you know, put me up on their shoulders that didn't have to. And I was I, I feel very fortunate and very blessed because of that. And I know a lot of people haven't had the opportunities that I've had. Um, but the biggest thing, if I was going to say the number one thing that I'm just so grateful for is family. And because, you know, as much as I've had my family, you know, the issues I've had with my family and the, uh, you know, the drama and the, there's a lot, there's been a lot of dark, dark times and a lot of dark things that's happened. But at Uh the same time, you know, I wouldn't be out here in California without my brother who gave me the opportunity. He's like, Hey man, what are you doing? You know, come out here and, and, you know, making it and, you know, make your, make your, make your stamp. And I was like, you know, 
without those opportunities, without family to be able to support me and to prop me up, you know, they were the ones that were in the hospital with me. I mean, I had my close friends who helped me out and came as well, but it's like, though my family was there to support me along the way between my mom, right. my stepdad and everybody. It's just, you know, I didn't until the last, until the last year, I would say I never really realized on how much that, uh, I really appreciated my family and appreciated the time I've spent, I have with them and the impact that they made on me until this past year. And that if I was going to say anything, the biggest thing I was grateful for again, I'll repeat myself like I do constantly uh, <laughs> is, uh, is family. And, yeah. you know, awesome. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, and that's especially during this COVID-19 craziness, um, you know, for me, I've obviously been able to, be at home more with my family and and you realize it's like gosh man you know all all, there's so much bad happening right now with everything and and i'm fortunate that you know nothing has immediately affected my family um and i I pray pray that that it doesn't but um you know same with me it's like gosh i wish we you know why why don't why does it take a crisis like this to spend more time Mm -hmm. with my family and those are the ones that i I know you know and it's cause, so because it's, ultimately yeah. it's, it's all it's all you yeah. have you know yeah. so um yeah. and i just man i just appreciate you i appreciate your time i appreciate your story um i think again you just have so much wisdom uh and uh i appreciate you sharing that with everybody uh that hopefully listens to this so um thank you so yeah. much and then we'll, we'll have to i don't know if you're ever coming back to kentucky but we'll have to get together soon when you're no for sure back. brother I mean, no, uh, for sure. I, I have no idea either. <laughs> you know, uh, we may I, be stuck I, in our houses for another six months. I don't know. Man, who, who, who's thinking knows? But, you know, it's so funny what you said about the, uh, the, the stakes up like this to spend more time with your family. It's like I'm living with my brother. I've spent more time with my brother in the last, like, th- you know, month and a half than I have in the last, like, four years. <laughs> right. Right. It's it's right. so it's so funny, but you got you know that's just another one of those blessings in disguise. You know, it's you get to, it's it's some yeah, it's one of those blessings in disguise. And again, man, I'm really glad to hear you're doing well. I'm glad to know that you're doing what you're doing. I wholeheartedly believe in stuff like what you're doing, and I you know I I really hope more people catch on and more people see the value because they're missing out. They really are. And, I appreciate and, you. Well, you know, you know, for me, it's something I'm excited about. And um, again, I just, like I said earlier, I would do this stuff for free because changing somebody's life and impacting them in the way that we talked about is just, that's priceless. You can't put a price tag on that. So hopefully mm-hmm. this will be something that spreads and, and we can connect with more people and just kind of um, spread the, spread the, the movement and, and uh, teach people just to, to live, live a better life, a more active life, and to move. Just well. move. So, Just all right, move. Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, man, I appreciate your time. You have a good evening, okay? You too, brother. Be safe, be good, all be right. well. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Joe's story as much as I did. Just an incredible story and just so inspirational to me when I heard his story a few years ago. I knew it was something that needed to be shared with the rest of the world because I really think it can impact a lot of people. So thank you for listening. Um, If you want to connect with Joe, again, his Instagram is underscore inside job fitness underscore. 
And if you want to connect with me, my name is Kevin Wynn. My Instagram is movewell, M-U-U-V well, or you can reach me at www.movewell.com. Look forward to hearing from you all. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and comment. It'll really help us out in the future. And just excited to be recording more episodes and giving you all more content. We hope it's helpful and beneficial to you. Um, If you have any questions, please reach out and let me know. Again, until next time, I hope you guys are safe and most importantly, move well.